Good evening. It's wonderful to see you all. I half expected Pastor Dan over there to make some kind of a comment. We've kind of been friends for a while, uh, but I should have known better because Pastor Dan is a very, very nice person. I'd like to tell you about how nice Pastor Dan is. (laughs) This is dangerous because he can do this right back. We were in a class once on how to teach um, like lessons, and our uh, <clears throat> instructor wanted us to give an object lesson that day. And so we all had to come up with like an object to use as like an illustration, and then pass it out and do something with it. And the idea was that you should be able to make illustrations out of everything and, and be a good communicator. And the girl who went that day to do her like lesson of sorts made, she was trying to bribe us, so before she even did her lesson, she passed out some cookies she made. And uh, we were like, oh great, free cookies. And so she gets up and starts teaching, and we're kind of waiting for the lesson, and we all start eating our cookies. And I'm telling you, it took like .01 seconds into that bite of the cookie to say, ah, what is wrong with this cookie? This is so salty. There's not a drop of sugar in this thing. I know sugar. Look at me. (laughs) Okay? There's no sugar in this. Oh, oh, this is the object lesson. And you look up there, and she's kind of like smiling a little while she's teaching. And she's like teaching awkwardly, like looking at all of us. And I'm like, oh, man, she got us. And I got this mouthful of salt cookie. I'm not. So I take my napkin, I like, you know. Set it aside, and I'm like, oh, man. And uh, I look over, and here's Dan next to me. And I mean, he's, like, chewing it. I'm like, what does he do? He doesn't know. He's being polite. He's doing a courtesy bite. No, 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 no. He's, like, right here. He's like, puts it down. That's how nice he is. Isn't that nice? He's wise. He's so nice. I am not wise. So one time, he's so nice. I should never have done this. He parks his car at school because we went to school together, and I see his car, and what does a good friend do? But if this is his driver door, I pull up. Right here. So he can't get in his driver door. He's going to have to climb over. And he had like a little kind of sporty vehicle, like car with a center kind of console that you'd have to clamber over. I'm, oh, this is the best joke ever. And then I found out he didn't go to school that day. <laughs> well, who drove his car to school? His eight month pregnant wife. <laughs> He's wise. I'm a fool. <laughs> so, you know, oh man, that was, that was a horrible thing. And so I've not lived that down. And she's, Brenna has been very nice and not told that story. But she's recently started teaching. And, and, and people go to their, and guess what I'm known for on campus? Making a pregnant lady climb over her center console because I am a horrible human being. But actually, I'm just a fool is what I am. Um, okay, I'll, tongue in cheek there. Uh, we're going to talk about wisdom and folly. And wisdom and folly is not as simple as taking a courtesy bite of a poorly made cookie 
or doing a horrible thing to a nice, kind, pregnant lady thinking you're pranking her husband. Wisdom and folly are not just like that. But there's probably seeds of wisdom and folly in maybe a little bit of both of those. So here's my question for you before we even get started. Do you want to be wise? You have to answer that. But I really want you to think about that for a moment. Think about all the times in life you make a decision and you think it was probably the wrong one. How many times have you done that? I can think of many times where I didn't know what to do and I make the decision and I know this is not a good, I don't know what to do. Or you, have you ever been paralyzed by a decision? Like, I just, there's this and there's this, and you're standing and you don't know which one to do, and there's, there's people in line, and is it going to be paper or plastic, and I just don't know. Okay, it's probably not paper and plastic. But in a serious note, have you ever been where you have a decision to make and you, you literally feel paralyzed because you don't know which way to go? On a certain level... That might, not always, go back to the fact that you don't know how to think through the whole situation from a perspective of wisdom. Sometimes God allows those situations in our lives to help us to see that we don't really understand his way of life. I guess that's what we could say, his his view of the world. We have a different view. If you think of like Colossians 3, uh, we're, we're to keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We're to set our mind, actually, on the things above, not on the things that are here on the earth. Now, I don't think that God is telling you don't set your mind on a speed limit because a speed limit is here on earth. You should do that. There's other places in the Bible, Romans 13, uh, that would tell you you need to do that. But what about the way the world lives? What about what they value? What about what the unsaved mind thinks is the right way to do things? Sometimes we get into those decisions or those quandaries or those, I just don't know what to do and I feel like I'm going to wreck this because we don't know the way God wants us to think through the situation. Now, I'm now a parent, okay? We have two children, and we have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and they're adorable in every way, and they're little sinners. You, you know, parents know these things. But you know what? I really want my kids to know the right thing and to grow up and to go the right way. I really want them to. Any parents in the room, you probably, you know that feeling, and I, I'm just at the beginning of it. But like, Here's this life you love, you care about, you want everything for them, and you desperately want them to walk the path that God wants them to. How do you, how do you help them to do that? You're not alone. There was another parent who had that same quandary, that same issue, and the parent's name was Solomon. So we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 1 tonight, and our goal is, it's obviously... There's no way we can get through this entire book. <laughs> that would be too much. So what can we do this week together in Proverbs to give us a foundation to build on? So my, what I want to do is get all the way through chapter 1. And so in the next three, tonight and the next two, we're just going to go through chapter 1 because it's a foundational section to the book. There's a lot of stuff we'll talk about that's going to come up over and over again in the book of Proverbs. Then we want to go to chapter 2, the first five verses 
Because there Solomon tells us how to seek after wisdom. He's laying this out in chapter 1. Tonight we're going to talk about like what wisdom is in Proverbs. The next thing we're going to talk about is temptation, because that's the next thing Solomon talks about. And then after that, we're going to talk about when it's too late for you to use your wisdom. Then we're going to talk about seeking after it. Like, what does it look like to become wise? How do you do that? Like, I want to be wise. How do I get wise? Chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, that's what we're going to talk about. And then in chapter 3, we're going to end with the blessings of what it looks like to live a wise life. Now, if we do that, you will be set up for the rest of the summer to walk through the rest of the book. And I guarantee you, you should be able to pull quite a bit out of that that will help you know the path of wisdom, which this morning when Pastor Phil was talking about that path that God's word keeps you on, this book is one of the books that will do that. Okay, I'm going to pray, read the first seven verses, and then I want to tell you about why Solomon wrote this, because that's key to everything. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being so kind to us and so gentle with us. Father, you loved us when we hated you. You loved us when we didn't know you. You loved us when we were against you. You loved us when we didn't care a bit about you. You sent your son to die for us, Father, so that there could be a way that we could have a relationship with you. Father, we're so thankful for that. I pray, Father, tonight that you would help us in our minds to understand better the way you would want us to live so that we can live in a wise way in this world, Father. I pray, Lord, for parents today, Lord, that these uh, verses and what we're going to study would help them as they seek uh, to help their children walk down the path of wisdom. Father, I pray for those uh, who are here today who are on that path and are making the decision, will they walk down the way that is the way you ask them to walk, or are they going to turn and go a different path of their own desire? Father, I pray that this text would speak to them today, Lord. I pray that the Spirit would convict those here who are desiring to take their foot off the right path and go down the wrong one. Father, I pray above all that we would all see our very own personal need uh, to get back on the right path as we walk through this section. Father, we love you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for the grace you show us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing. I would change that personally and say behavior. Behavior captures it really well. Dealing is okay, but as long as you understand it means behavior. In righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. There are actually five purpose statements in there, and they all start with the word to. Okay? So you see them, you say to know. The first purpose, to know. And then in verse uh, 2, the second part of it, to understand. So you to know things, to understand things. Verse 3, to receive instruction. Verse 4, to give prudence to a group of people. 
Five is like a parenthetical comment that we'll talk about here in a bit to make sure that no one feels left out. Verse six, to understand a proverb and a saying, words of the wise and their riddles. So there's actually five things or goals or, or purposes behind the entire book here. So when Solomon writes this, he's writing it to his son. And he wants his son to know how to grow up. Now, his son is probably, I guess I don't know the age, but probably at that age where he's old enough that he's about to go out and make his own way in the world, or at least that's nearing. And Solomon knows that. And so as his son is about to go and make his own decisions and build his own life, or at least prepare to do that, he wants his son to know how to live a wise life and not to be just like all the fools that are around him. Now, the interesting part of this is, think about Solomon. What are the two things you know about him? Number one, what, what was he like the best of? Yeah, why? I heard wise, right? He's like the wisest person ever, right? I mean, these two ladies are sleeping at night, and their babies are right next to him, and one lady kind of rolls over and kills her baby. It's really sad. And then she wakes up and takes the baby and gives the, puts the dead baby with the other lady, and she switches the babies. And now she has the live baby, and the other lady knows this is not her kid, and there's this big dispute, and it comes all the way to Solomon, and Solomon has to decide between them. I don't know what I would do. There's no DNA tests in Solomon Day. It was like 900-ish BC. And so you probably know the story, but what did he do? He said, bring me a sword. He says, I'm going to cut the baby in half. You can have half. You can have half. And guess what? The real mother breaks down crying. She's like, no, 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 let, 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 the other, let her have it. Let, I don't want to, don't kill the baby, let, let her have it. And the other lady's like, no, kill him, that's fine. And what does Solomon realize? Oh, I know who the real mother is. Here, you can have the kid. No, you don't get the kid. It's not your baby, you wanted to kill him. I mean, that's wise, okay? He he's, he's thinks well. He, he was given wisdom. So we know he's wise, right? And he wants his son to have that wisdom. But what else do we know about Solomon? Like in one sense he was wise, and in another sense he was pagan. I don't know. He had a thousand, uh, like he had a lot of ladies. We'll just say it like that, okay? He had a problem in this department. But the bigger issue, well, it's a big issue that you have that many women. But the really big issue is that those women took his heart and turned it away from the living God. Now, don't you think? If you've ever, have you ever made a mistake and you, you want, you desperately, you hear someone else about to make the mistake and you want to help them not to make that same mistake? You just, you want to help them. Please don't do, don't do what I did. Don't do, don't, no, no, that's going to end badly. There's a little bit of that behind here. Solomon wants his son to know the right way to live and not to make mistakes. Was it before or after? I don't know. Did, but he's got wisdom. And so we need to listen to him. And I think this is really good wisdom. Now, how do, how do all of these purposes here get accomplished? The key thing is in verse 7. The only way you know wisdom in verse 2, you understand words of insight in verse 2, you receive instruction in wise behavior in verse 3, you are given prudence if you're simple in verse 4, and you understand proverbs and sayings in verse 6. The only way that happens is if you learn this in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you don't know the fear of the Lord, 
no matter how hard you try to be wise, no matter how hard you try to help other people be wise, biblically, you will never be wise. It's not always during decisions, actually. I know we get in those quandaries, we don't know what to do, we think we have an idea of how to make this decision, and that's generally when we want wisdom. But this kind of wisdom isn't always talking about that. In the book of James, at the very beginning, do you know what it says? How it says, if any man seeks wisdom, let him what? Ask God, yeah, and what does God do? He won't give it to you? Nah, that's not what my Bible says. It says he will give it to you generously, right? And he doesn't upbraid you. I love it when God doesn't braid my hair up. That's so good. Okay, it, all that means is he doesn't, he doesn't tell you, I told you so. Have you ever had someone who gave you advice and then you didn't take it, and then you realize you need it and you go back to ask them, and before they tell you, they're going to be like, hey, I told you so, right? God doesn't do that. And so you think it's like a decisional thing. It's this, hey, you know the... the the guy at the financial advisor place who says, listen, I can make you a wise financial person. If you come invest your stocks with me, they won't, they'll lose the least amount of money when markets fluctuate. This is a wise investment. Now, that's not a, not, that's not a wrong way to think about wisdom, but that's only like a slice of it. If you go to James chapter 3, he says, what is this wisdom that comes down from God? And the entire description is moral. It's peaceable, it's pure, it's filled with the fruits of righteousness, and then he contrasts it with wicked deeds and sinful actions. So sometimes wisdom isn't uh, always this right decision. Sometimes it's living righteously as you make those decisions. There's ways to be righteous and maybe not make what the world would call a wise decision. This is what Solomon wants to teach us. I'm going to point out one more thing, and then we're going to dive into studying out some of these ideas. Look in verse 2. There's this really cool, uh, you know, back in the day, they didn't have formatting when they wrote these things on scrolls and tablets. They didn't have periods and commas and scripts and fonts and all that. But they did these really cool things to, like, tie things together. So look at what it says. Look at the words that are repeated. To know, okay, know is like knowledge. You've got to know something. Wisdom, okay, and then instruction. No wisdom instruction. Now look down at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. To know. First purpose. To know something. What do you know? Wisdom and instruction. What does the fool despise? Wisdom and instruction. Do you see that? He's tying the whole thing together. If you want to know wisdom, if you want to know instruction, you have to know the fear of the Lord. Okay. This is what Solomon would like you to know. So as we walk through this, I'm going to say there's, there's really two big ideas going on here. And then there's this parenthetical comment that we want to lay out at the beginning of our study. First of all, the Proverbs, uh, the teaching of Proverbs is wisdom. That's what it's trying to teach you. It wants you to be wise. What does that look like? Well, first of all, it's going to teach you, we're going to call it moral skillfulness. Moral skillfulness. In verse 2, it says right off the word is to know. Now, I don't think you always need to look things up in fancy commentaries, but I did look this up in a commentary, and the idea here is not like an intellectual awareness, all right? So let me tell you something like, I know there's something called the Leaning Tower of Pizza, 
okay? If you stack 10 pizza boxes and they're off-center, they, it will lean, okay? I know that, okay? That's not really the right. You're looking at me like, that was a lame joke. Well, guess what this whole week's going to be filled with, people? It's, it's gonna, and you're going to hear that <laughs> from Dr. Little over there. It's, 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 he's used to my lame jokes. All right, <clears throat> the Leaning Tower of Pizza is this you know, big old thing in Italy. That's, it's like a building over this. Now, anyone here in the room been to the Leaning Tower of Pizza? Anyone? I see, oh, okay, I see like two hands. Okay, I'm going to use you as an example. Oh, Chase, hey, oh. <laughs> Chase is a student. He's a, I, I see my students this week. It's so great. You know, at Faith, we had to go online on Zoom, and so I've seen more students this week. It's been so wonderful. Chase has seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You have experientially, like, been there. You've seen it. I don't have experiential knowledge of it. I just know it exists because I read it in a book, okay? I saw it on YouTube probably. There's a difference between how I know that exists and how Chase knows that exists, now, that's like a minimal level of difference, but it is an experiential thing. What Solomon wants his son to know is deeper than that. When you know wisdom, he wants you to know it in a way that you're experiencing it. Like, okay, I understand it and I'm living it. Not just an intellectual awareness. Like, I know lots of things that are wrong and I shouldn't do and I don't engage with them. I know a lot of things that are right and I should do and I'm not experiential about that either. What Solomon wants is for you, well, for his son, but us hoping to learn wisdom, is to know this by experience. As in, actually learn to live this way. Well, what is the way that he wants us to learn? The next word is, he wants us to know experientially, wisdom. Wisdom. You'll find this word all over the Bible, and this is really helpful for us to understand. Again, we're talking about strategy and investments and doing the right thing with the least amount of bad results. Again, it's not that that's not wisdom, but wisdom in the Bible is far more than that, like much more. So the word wisdom there, it basically means skill. Like it's a skill that you have. In fact, if you, the word is used many places in the Bible, but in Psalm 107, it's used of sailors who are skilled at sailing. Now, if you're skilled at sailing, you probably know a thing or two about, like, not sinking, right? I mean, that's a minimum. But it also means, like, you probably navigate places efficiently. This is, you know, back before GPS. So you can probably get places by looking at the stars. I could never do that. I would crash and no one would ever find me again. But these sailors can do that. They can actually do something. And that's important to note. It's also used of people who weave things, like in the temple when they were weaving the various things for the tabernacle. There's administrators in the Bible who are called skillful. They can administrate their areas of responsibility well. Um, There's the craftsmen in Exodus who build the various tools and implements in the tabernacle, and they're called skillful, and it's the same idea. So in all those situations, you could say, oh, they were wise at building, or they were wise at weaving, or they were wise at sailing, and what it means is they can actually do it. It's the difference of me being able to watch a football game and say, that guy made a horrible pass. He should not have thrown it. The guy wasn't even open. Now, I can say that, but I can't do that. No matter how much I don't like some quarterback... He can actually go out there and do it. So here's what Solomon wants. He doesn't want us over here like, oh, I know all the right answers. I know all the things I ought to do, all the things that are right. Okay, I know all that, but I actually don't do most of that. That's not what he wants. He wants us over here where 
I know what I ought to do, and I've learned to do it consistently. That's skill like he's talking about. That's wisdom. That's his version of wisdom. He wants you to know that by experience. Now, if you're a sailor, your skill is at sailing. I know, it's redundant. If you're a weaver, it's at sewing or weaving, whatever it is. Here, what is the realm that he's talking about? He's actually talking about living. So he wants his son, and if you want wisdom, you should want this also, skill at living life. Well, how do you have skill at living life? He's going to tell you, but the answer is, you have to fear the Lord. If you don't fear the Lord, even if you make a billion dollars, even if you are very healthy, the most healthy person in the world, even if you never get a speeding ticket, you may not be a biblically wise person. Now, the other thing that he wants you to know is called instruction. And that really, the idea here is probably discipline might be good. Like If you think of like a coach is maybe a good example. Your coach, if you played a sport, tells you, do this, it's not really an option. I mean, when's the last time you played a game, like a, a, some competitive sport, and your coach said, hey, go do this, and you're like, maybe not. Eh. Like, I played baseball. I'd be riding the pines, as they say. I mean, I'd be on the bench. So this is, this is funny, okay? I'm, I'm on first base. I'm running. I just didn't get hit. I hit a ball or something, and I'm on first base. And I'm, I'm like second grade here, okay? Third grade, actually. And there's a guy on third base on my team. And this guy goes, he's is at bat, and I look over at my coach, and he does the signs, you know, like the, you know, doing all that weird stuff. And then he takes his hand, and he goes across the bill of his hat. That means steel. Oh, no, sorry, skin with steel. We got to remember this. You know, and it's pretty overt, and I'm like, man, they're going to know our signs, you know. <laughs> Little League, man. <laughs> so I, I lead off to steel, and I look, and... And the pitch gets there, the catcher sees me, okay, I can't make it, so I have to go back. Okay. And I look over at him, and he looks a little different. He's like a little, I don't know. I'm like, he said steal, but I couldn't, okay, okay, I couldn't have made it. Maybe I'll make it this time. So I lead off, and uh, the, the pitch is way too fast. I can't make it, and so I, I go back again. And I look over at him, and he is like, And I'm like, because now I'm confused. I totally would have gotten thrown out both times. Why is he doing Steal! <laughs> right across. I'm like, what? So I steal, and I know the guy's going to throw me out, and I, so I finally obey my coach, and guess what? Those of you who play baseball know they didn't throw me out, because if they threw me out, the guy could have made it home and scored. I didn't understand that, but guess what? I wasn't listening to and obeying my coach. So he had this authority, and I wasn't submitting to it. When Solomon is telling you, or telling his son, listen, I want you to know wisdom, and I want you to know instruction, the only way you do that is by submitting. In his case, it was to his dad. In our case, it is the word of God. If you're not willing to submit to God's commands, you will not be wise. 
because that's part of wisdom. Now, he develops this further down in verse 4. So he wants you to know wisdom. And in verse four, 3 and 4, he says, this is what that looks like. Okay, see the word instruction is repeated again? He, he now develops it. Sorry, I think I have footnote there. He states it in verse 2. He develops it in verse 3 and 4. He says, to give or to receive instruction in wise dealing. Now, again, dealing, no, it's not drugs, okay? This is like behavior, okay? This is how you live. He wants you to know the right actions to, to do and perform in various situations. Well, what does right behavior look like? Well, he gives you a little picture of it right here. He says, righteousness, justice, and equity. Now, just take those and think about them. What is something that is righteous and what is something that is unrighteous? Can you answer that question? If I said, give me a definition of righteousness and give me a definition of unrighteousness, what would you say? And, and all I, we're not actually going to define those right now. I just want you to see that if you can't answer that question, how could you ever know the right way to live? If you don't know what biblically the word just or justice means, how could you ever know what an injustice is? Actually, on this point, we need to get back in our Bibles and say, what does the Bible say about justice? How does the Bible define justice? Now, equity, if you're equitable, what does that mean? It means you, you treat people evenly, equally, okay? So if I'm treating my children equitably, then I'm, I'm treating them fair. I'm not favoring one. I'm not being harder on one than the other. Well, what does biblical equity look like? What does it look like to be equal in our treatment of people? If you don't have, if that's foggy in your head, then when you come into a situation where you need to be equitable, you won't know what to do. Solomon wants to help us. If you study the book of Proverbs, that's something he wants you to see. He actually wants you to almost internalize it so like it's a picture and it guides your life. So he's going to give you pictures and pointers and all kinds of stuff as he goes through the passage. So the first thing he gives you is moral skillfulness. Moral skillfulness. It's, it's the ability to live successfully in a moral way. The next teaching of wisdom is mental acumen. Now, moral skillfulness and mental acumen, I got those from a commentary, so this is not original to me. But you could just think of it this way. Wisdom is learning to live morally, and wisdom is learning to think. And I would say biblically. Think biblically. But thinking isn't always like, oh, this is easy. You, sometimes you're going to have to analyze stuff. So look at, go back to verse 2 and look at the second half. He says he wants you to understand words of insight. Understand words of insight. The word understand there, it's literally just, uh, we might say discernment. It's to distinguish, it's to, to know the difference between things. So I used to really like sunglasses, like back when I played baseball when I was a teenager, and I really liked the really expensive ones. Uh, you know, Oakley's back in the day. They were cool a long time ago. And like a pair would cost over 100 bucks. And you know, back in the 90s, like a tank of gas was like 20 bucks. Now it's like $58,000, I don't know. You know, but like it was, you know, it was pretty expensive. But you could, you could get these fake Oakleys from some Chinese distributor that you, I mean, nowadays you just get them off probably Amazon, but uh, you get them and you and you put them on and they looked from like, from like 20 feet away, they looked a little bit like Oakley's, but the closer you got, you could, be like, you could tell that's weird. And if you're wearing them, 
They were so uncomfortable. They like press here really hard. I think they actually installed spikes on both sides just to make it hurt. And then your nose, it's almost like it was trying to cut off your airway. Now there you can distinguish, okay, this is the real thing, this is fake. Uh, One time, well anyways, you've probably been in situations where you can tell this is not the real thing. Solomon wants you to learn to live morally, but he wants you to learn to think well. So you can see the difference between something that is righteous and something that isn't. That's his goal for his son. Now, think about his life. Think about what Solomon did himself. There are times where he probably did things that were totally sinful and later realized that was stupid. And he doesn't want his son to get in that same situation. In verse 6, he's going he's, to... Sorry, this thing is... In verse 6, he is going to flesh this out more. So if you go down to verse 6, it says, to understand a proverb and a saying. To understand a proverb and a saying. The word proverb there means like an enigma or an elusive expression. Kind of like a brain teaser. You know, those like, what walks on four legs in the morning and two legs in the afternoon and three legs at night? And it's like a baby crawling and an adult walking and an older adult using a cane. And you're like, oh, no, that was cool. But you know how you have to think about those to understand them? (laughs) Program staff is laughing at me. What else is new? (laughs) But you've had brain teasers or like those funny sayings. Why would Solomon bring that up? Because at times you're going to have to think hard to do this. Are you prepared to do that? Are you ready to think hard about what the Bible says? The next word, uh, riddle there, is like a perplexing saying, a dark saying, something that's obscure, an utterance. The the idea here is actually that it's being hidden on purpose. Now, what kind of a purpose, what kind of a person purposely tells you something and purposely says it confusing so you don't understand it? Maybe that's me speaking right now. (laughs) Yeah, Sage. Actually, I mean, if you had a teacher and everything the teacher said was totally confusing and you didn't get it, I'm so con- would you sign up for another class with that teacher? No. But actually, Solomon is going to say things in that way on purpose to his son. And he's going to do that because sometimes wise people say things like that, and you need to learn to think about those things. Jesus did the same thing, actually. He would tell parables. Why why didn't he just come right out and say it? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons. He was trying to hide truth from those who are not going to believe and reveal it to those who were going to trust him. Uh, But sometimes that making you work for it, making you think about it is better. Have you ever been in a situation where someone tells you all the right information and you kind of write it down and it goes nowhere? And then you're talking to another person, they keep asking you questions and you're just confused the whole time. But you walk away and it's almost like you understood it better. The wise sage here understands you need to engage your mind to really learn things. So as you read the book of Proverbs, every now and then you're going to come up to something that's going to be a little confusing. Maybe it'll be hard to understand. That's okay. Keep thinking about it. That's what Solomon wants to teach you to do. Now imagine if you had that skill. Imagine if you could read things that were hard to understand and learn to understand them. That is what Solomon wants to do for you. We'll try to do it this week. We'll try to go down the pathways. So 
The teaching of Proverbs is wisdom. Wisdom looks like moral skill. You can live in a morally right way and you actually do those things. It looks like mental ability, like the ability to think clearly and look at a situation that's complex and figure out how to, where, what would God want me to do? What's the biblical path here in this confusing situation? But this is really important. It teaches both the simpleton and the sage. The simpleton and the sage. Now this issue we want to take a little bit more time on. Okay. Sorry, this thing is really... There we go. In Proverbs, there are three people that we need to talk about. The simple person, the fool, and the scorner. The simple person, the fool, and the scorner. There's also the wise person. We'll kind of talk about him along the way. But in the, in the book here, like look in verse, um, verse, five, or verse 4. It says to give prudence. Who, who does he want to give prudence to? The simple. Well, is that just like a person who's not fancy? Like, oh, I'm just simple. I don't get all decked out and whatnot. I'm just simple. That's not really what it's talking about. The simple person is someone who's totally naive. Like, they don't really understand the world. They don't get what's going on around them. I knew a friend uh, who, man, this is, I feel bad for him. He, he totally got taken. He was witnessing to this guy, and this guy said to him, you know, I would never, ever believe the gospel that you're telling me because Christians never do good things for other people. I actually need $2,000 to pay off this bill, or I can't, and he gave some reason. He says, I've asked Christians, and no one will give me their money, because they don't actually say they believe in God and don't need money, because God will take care of them. And so I'm not going to believe your gospel, unless you're going to give me like $2,000. And my friend, bless his heart, like really meant well. He's like, I will. Let's go to the bank. And so he went to the bank, pulled out $2,000, gave it to the guy. The guy's crying. He says, give me your phone number. Here's mine. I'm going to come to church with you. And my buddy is like, yes. Calls him. The call you made could not be completed. There is no one at this number. He like totally ghosted the guy. It was, it was a joke. He played him. He just used this religious angle to get money from him. Oh, man, I feel bad for my friend. But in some ways, he didn't understand how some people are. Or have you ever like been a gullible person? I'm super gullible, but I also play on gullible people. And so I had to, this is embarrassing, I had a zit on my earlobe one time. Like right, I know, that's gross, isn't it? Like right there on the center of my ear, it actually looked like I got my ear pierced. My friend, his sister, did you get your ear pierced? Yeah, I did. I didn't tell my parents, and now I can't, it's, it's really infected. I know, just don't tell them, okay? I just walk around like this. Like three days, she totally thought I had an earring. Like, no, I would never get it. I'm not going to get it, you know? But I knew this about her. Like, she would believe anything you told. And after, time and time again, we would mess with her, and she would not understand we're messing with her. There's a little bit of that in the simpleton. They don't really understand how the world works. They don't really understand how life works, and they're very impressionable. Solomon doesn't want his son to be impressionable. He doesn't want his son to get taken. And it's not about the person who's going to make him be like a prank or something like that. He doesn't want his son to get mixed up in the wrong crowd. Hey, come with us. We've got this plan to get rich. It's going to be great. Just don't tell anyone. He wants his son to understand, wait a second, if they have to hide that, 
Is that really the right thing? He wants his son not to be simple. So the simpleton, uh, this is in verse 22-3, the prudent sees danger and he hides himself. But the simple go on and say they don't even see the danger and then they suffer for it. So that's the first person in Proverbs. It's the simple. All right, the second person you're going to meet is the fool. The fool is a sinful person. They're out and out. They're just living in their sin. They're doing their sinful actions. They actually, um, they're both sinful and they sort of know it and they're just going to persist in it anyways. It's not like they're ignorant at this point. They know they're sinning, but they're just going to engage in it even though they know they shouldn't. So in verse 10.8, it says, the wise, heart, the wise of heart will receive a commandment, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Now think about that. The wise do something and the fool does something else. What is the wise doing there? They receive a commandment. What does it mean to receive a commandment? It actually means you will listen and submit to it. The wise person submits to counsel. Throughout the whole book, the wise person always listens to correction. They always listen to feedback. They always listen to advice. If you, you come to them and say, look, you have made a major mistake, and I need to tell you all about it, they will say, yes. Thank you. Do you see anything else? Please let me know. And they're not offended. The fool, on the other hand, you're like, hey, your shoe's untied. What's, what, what do you think you have the right to tell me my shoe's untied? And they get mad at you for something little. Or, hey, you shouldn't do that. How do you know I shouldn't do that? Don't tell me what to do. And then they do that, and it hurts. But the fool doesn't listen. And don't confuse listening with hearing, because you can listen and hear everything. The idea is that you listen, you hear, and you do it. And the fool's never going to do that. So they sin, and then they don't listen to correction. Now, the third player we need to be introduced to for the book is the scorner. The scorner is like the fool on steroids. They are arrogant about it, and they are very rebellious. They know the right answer. They don't care. I'm not doing that. And they're doing their own thing. Now, what Solomon wants for us is to be able to see who these types of people are and respond appropriately. If I see the scorner, I don't want anything to do. I want to stay away from that person. If I see the fool engaging in folly, do you know what I'm supposed to do? It says it's better to stand in between a mama bear and her bear cub than to stand in between a fool and the folly they are committing. It would be better for you to stand in between a grizzly bear and her baby. Do you know what would happen if you did that? You'd get eaten. You would be lunch. And Solomon's saying that would be better than to engage in the sin that the foolish person is doing. He wants you to know, what if you see a simple person? Warn them, help them, try to pull them back, try to give them, try to influence them while they're impressionable because maybe you can turn them away from that path. It might come off at this point like, oh, the Proverbs are only for simple people. They're only for the fools. They're only for people who are learning to grow. His son doesn't know what to do. Hey, he needs to go on. But look at what verse 5 says. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. Here, this is a really cool thing. The wise person can go right back to these basic lessons. The lessons you would tell maybe a teenager who's trying to decide where they're going to go in life. Those initial foundational lessons. You can tell those to a biblically wise person 
And they will go, oh, that was a good reminder. Oh, I just realized something I had. Oh, that's what I needed to hear right now. That's biblical wisdom. So literally, you should be able to go to a kid's class, go with the fours and fives, sit down, and you, if you're wise, you should be able to learn. Okay, maybe it'll be all a little bit repetitive, but I will, as a testimony, I work with third graders at my church for our Kids for Truth Wednesday night ministry, and there's a lot of times I'm teaching a lesson to them, and I'm like, man, this is really convicting. Man, and I used to think that was bad. I thought, oh man, I'm not a good teacher. I'm getting convicted by all this stuff that, oh, for third graders, you know, don't steal your sister's toys. Oh, I shouldn't steal my wife's stuff, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't steal her stuff. Well, I do sometimes eat her food, but, but actually, that's actually okay. That's normal. That's, not, that's how it should be. You, you should be able to help teach little kids, and it, it should minister to you. Why? Because you know what truth is, and you're devoting yourself to it. Very quickly about the fear of the Lord. Here the fear is the thing. Fearing God is what will make all of this happen. In the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the thing that will make all of this happen in your life. So if if you're saying to yourself, man, how can I learn to think well? Man, how can I learn to be morally right? How can I make sure that I'm wise at some point, but I still learn the basics and I I don't like turn myself off to God's word? And how can I make sure I'm doing, listening to correction? How do you make, I make sure I'm submitting and I'm receiving? How do I do all that? Do one thing. Learn to fear the Lord. Fear here has like the idea of you see something, you're like, and you kind of shrink back. You're a little bit terrified. But it also has this idea. That is, whoa, do you see that? And you want to get closer. Like awe and a little bit like, oh. But if you think about God, he created you. He created everything. It actually says that Christ is holding everything together right now by his will. It's okay to have that kind of response to that. But I think at the end of the day, we could develop this a little bit later, fearing God is actually just loving him. It's loving him. You Think of it in a relationship. You have a relationship with someone that's so good that you are delighted to see this person. Man, I'm so excited to see my friend today. Uh, when we told my son we were going to camp, he was all excited, and then we told him his friend was going to be here, and it was like twice as excited because he's so excited to see his friend. Do you have a camp friend? Do you have someone like that? Like, man, I love this person. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. That, like, loving that person so much. Okay, hold on to that. That's not exactly how you love God. Now, imagine doing something that would utterly hurt that person. You know that like pit of your stomach? Oh, I just did that to that person. Like you lied about him or something. And, oh, I should never. And you feel horrible. There's a little bit of, maybe that's a good way to think about it. You love God. You want to serve him. I just did something. Oh, no, I can't do that to God. You know, that's the idea of fearing him. It's, it's not that I'm always afraid of God. It's not that I'm only ever in awe of God. But it is that I love him. If you love God, you will want to submit to what he says. If you love God, when you discover you've been doing something wrong, you will want to turn away from that. 
If you love God and you're serving him, you will want to know how to use your life as best you can for him. And you'll want to steward it and to be smart about it and to be clever about it. The fear of the Lord is the love of the Lord. So this week, we're going to try to learn about the fear of the Lord. We're going to try to learn about biblical wisdom. Do you want this? That's the last question. Do you want this? Do you want to learn wisdom? Do you want to learn truth? If you do, I think we can dive in and we can learn. But if you don't want to love God, if you don't want to fear him, it'll be an interesting week. But it probably won't do much for your heart. So I think the question I would leave you with is, do you want to learn to love God in a way where you can learn to be wise? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you today, Lord, that we've had this time to gather together and to learn from the word. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be wise this week, Lord, as we walk through the book of Proverbs, different parts of it. I pray that its wisdom would realign our minds, God. I pray that we would think differently. Father, if we are ignorant of what you want from us, I pray, Father, that this week we would purpose in our hearts to begin to study the word to study what your truth says, Father. I pray, Lord, that if we just want to live for ourselves, if we're just here to have a good time and we really don't care about this, Father, I pray that you would show us the folly of that path that we are walking right now. Lord, I pray that you would use this time in your word to draw people, to correct, as we saw this morning, people to come back to the path of truth, the path of wisdom. And Father, those who are on the path of wisdom, I pray that this would encourage them and it would push them to be even more wise. Father, thank you for your grace. In your son's name we pray, amen.